habits from Jesus so that if we do what he did, we get to do what he did. We want to do signs, wonders, miracles, see the kingdom. The seedbed for that, the foundation for that is living like Jesus lived. Living a life with a regular pattern of rest, Sabbath, whichever day of the week that might be. It doesn't have to be Saturday or Sunday. Living with a regular pattern of giving time to shut up and listen to God. Not your quiet time, not reading your Bible, but simply allowing you to put your attention on him and allowing him to speak back, sitting in silence and solitude. And then Liz has been starting, and she's on again in a couple of weeks' time, talking about fasting. The idea of giving things up to put him above our needs. And this is all that we've been doing. So last time I started and did something. I'm going to be really brave this morning. I'm going to do the thing that teach, they teach you never to do at college. Okay. So it's been on the podcast, and some of you are here. What did I start speaking about the last time I spoke? Anybody remember? This is always a bit where you get really discouraged because you're like, yeah, I've been wasting my breath. What did I, I mean, I know they all merge into one. I get that. But, you know, so uh, go on, Anna. What do you think I spoke on? Wonderful. Thank you. Somebody was listening. No, I'm sure you were all listening. I'm teasing you. Um, if you did, if you need a recap, we do the podcast. You can get on there. I started this idea of what about God and stuff? God and things. How do we live in a way in a modern world where we're not in a subsistence economy, you don't grow your own food, which is what people did in Jesus' time, where you have to work, and that means you get money, and what do you do with your money? What do you do with your stuff? And trying to say, trying to sort of go this, this, the, the line, if you remember what I said to you, um, my love, there's a picture. Remember I said to you, this was a quote from one of my, my friends, the devil doesn't mind which side of the saddle we fall off. He just wants us off the horse. So that might, it, one side of the saddle is the over-focus on prosperity, on saying, you know, God's going to make you rich. And, and actually, some people will go as far as saying, unless you are rich, you are not showing God's love. Well, that's non-biblical nonsense. Jesus lived a simple life. Again and again in scripture, we see that it's the poor, thank you very much, Wendy, who walk close to God. And, and if you want to take, take me on about Matthew 6, the bit where it says, blessed are the poor in spirit, I had to do a 9,000 word study on what that meant. And it means blessed are the poor. The, the in spirit bit, mean, the poor were the poor in spirit and the poor in spirit were the poor. It, it doesn't mean it, you don't get in by saying, well, I've got billions of pounds, but I'm poor in spirit. So that counts. No, it doesn't work like that. The flow of the grammar and the words make it clear. The poor are blessed by God. We need to understand that. I think the poor matter more to God because he stands up for those who are victimised and broken and left out. So there is the biblical line. But the biblical answer as well is that God wants us to prosper. He wants us to do well so that we can be a blessing to other people. That's what we looked at. And it's wrong to say that simply because you've got nothing, well, that means that um, that gives you sort of a special access to God. That's not what the Matthean verse is about either. Learning to live trusting him with what we have and thanking him either when we don't have anything or when we've got more are all the principles of how we should live in Scripture. And we need to be honest, you know, not having enough money coming in is not nice. It's a, it's a pressure. I know I've been there. Worrying about how you're going to pay rent or pay the mortgage or whether you can get your car fixed or whatever it might be. And I know, yes, if we live in the West, of course, generally we have somewhere to live, we've got some food, and we're in a much better state than a lot of the world. That's absolutely true. But we don't live there. We live here in a cold, wet, damp country, and people need houses. And a good father doesn't delight in his children being distracted from his goodness by constantly worrying about where the next pound's going to come from. That's not how a good father looks after his children. Read Luke 10. So there's this balance, isn't there? And that, that quote about doesn't, the devil doesn't care which side of your horse, it, it, 
it put, puts me in mind of another great quote that I really like. Some of you have heard me use this before. Christianity reconciles furious opposites by keeping them both and keeping them both furious. God's holiness and his perfection. God's mercy and his tender love. God's justice, his absolute desire that his people live the right way. God's mercy on those people who fall and fail. Furious opposites kept both in the gospel. Prosperity, being blessed by God, having enough, is a biblical principle. Not depending on what you've got, but depending on him, regardless of your circumstances, is a biblical principle. We have to learn to walk the line in the middle. Because the devil doesn't care which side of the horse you fall off. He just wants you off. And if you don't, if you want some more scriptural reminders for why I'm doing this, let's, I'm, not, I'm not doing groups this morning. Often we do discussion groups. I thought for this morning, I just want some volunteers to read some Bible verses for me. So a verse is going to come up, and if somebody could read it out for us all. Oh, hang on, let's just lower the top so you can see it. <laughs> So you can read this out for us all, that would be wonderful. And just do it from the screen so that we're... Um, you might need to stand up and come near if you've got the reflection. Just to mean that you're not just sat there, you're participating. Who's going to read this for me? Come on, somebody. Can you read all of that for me? Do you want to come in near enough so that you can do it? And I'll give you the mic. Wonderful. You try. Go on, then. means of... Great gain when accompanied by contentment, yeah. for we have brought nothing into the world, so we cannot take anything out of it either. If we have food and covering, with these we shall be content, but those who won't get rich fall into temptation and a snare, and many foolish and harmful desires will plunge men into ruin and destruction, for the love of money is a root of all sorts of evil, and some by longing for it have wandered, wandered away from their faith and pierced themselves with many griefs, birthday from distance, you man of God and purge righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. First Timothy 6, verse 6. Come on, well done. Fantastic. So good. The next generation preacher being raised up right there. Come on. And his, his dad's going to be preaching in a few weeks' time, so come and come be here for this. It's very clear, isn't it? The love of money, not money, we all know this, you've had this exposited, I'm sure, lots of other times in other, other sermons. The love of money is the root of all sorts, not evil, of all sorts of evil, which means it's expressed in lots of different ways. Be content with what you have. Is the verse, isn't it? Okay? So he's going to read, this is, <laughs> this is a lot shorter, so we, we've let one of our youngest members read the long, read the long bit. Who's going to read this for me? Come on, somebody. Noah, can you do it? Yeah. Go on then. All that. Yeah, can you do it? Yeah. Jesus said to him, the foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nets, but Best. the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. Come on. Thank you very much, Ma Noah. Well done. Go on, yep. Go on. Give them the reference as well, because they'll forget. Matthew. Matthew 8. 20. 8, 20. Well done. Thank you so much. Well done. Who's the son of man? Jesus. Jesus. Just, to be, just to be clear, let's not, you know, just bypass these things. Jesus said, foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to rest his head. He's saying, I am dependent upon other people to have somewhere to sleep. Because that's what he did. He travelled from town to town. 
So Jesus models for his dependency upon his father, not being distracted by stuff. That's one side of keeping on the right side. The love of money is the pursuit is the root of all evils, all sorts of root of all sorts of evil. Be content. But also, there's John thirteen twenty nine. Who's going to read that for me? Oh, you're back. Come on then. Come on, we're up for it today, aren't you? Great volunteers, read that for me. For some were supposing because Judas has the money box that Jesus was saying to him, buy the things we have need for their feast or else that he would give something to the poor. John 13, verse 29. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Well done. Okay. Did Jesus have money? Did Jesus have money? Yes. Because Jesus had the money box. Judas was one of the apostles, uh, one of the disciples. Well, doesn't become an apostle because he's... Anyway, let's not get into that. But it was a money box. Yes. So they had enough money to need a money box to put the money in. Yes. And Judas's job was to look after it. So there was enough to need a treasurer. Wasn't there? Yes, he, I mean, Judas was corrupt and spent it on the wrong things and everything else. That, we're not getting into that. What I'm saying is, did Jesus have money? Yes, he did. And then enough money that somebody counted it and looked after it. Apparently we're going backwards. Can you go to the way? Yeah. Sorry, that was very... Stepping into my Yorkshire again. Go to the way, lass. Aye, sorry. <laughs> Last one. John 19, 23. Ah, come on. Come on. I like, I like having all these volunteers. This is brilliant. Soldiers were there, had confidence. Jesus took his out garment and made for part a part to every soldier and also to tunic. Now that tunic was slimless woman in one piece. So then she said to one other, let us not tear. It's but lot for it to decide who shall it be. That this is was to fool it the subscription the they drived my outgarment among them and for my clothing they cast lot. John nineteen verse twenty three. Come on, well done. Brilliant. So cool to see. Out of the mouth of babes. Okay. Why didn't they want to divide the tunic that was out seen? Because it's a quality garment. If it was woven without seam, it meant it was a, a very well-made garment, woven in one piece, done with handicraft and skill. So they cast lots for it because it's worth something. People will say to you, oh, Jesus was poor. Now, Jesus was dependent upon his father's provision, and he lived a life like that. But you, we can't say scripturally that Jesus had nothing, because he had stuff. He had a tunic that was worth fighting over. And they had money in a box that needed somebody to look after it. Money is a pressure, and what we do with it can lead us away. But it is not biblical to say we should live with nothing. We live in a whatever circumstance we've got, whether we've got a lot or a little, dependent upon him. That's the call. That's how we're meant to live. It's not easy, but it's vital that we get it right. You see, if we don't, we can conform to how the world around us thinks, which at the moment seems to be one of two ways, doesn't it? If you listen to the news, the only message you'll hear at the moment is there is not enough. There's not enough money, there's not enough time, there's not enough, there's just not enough of anything. Everything's falling apart, our public services are rubbish. That's what you read in the newspapers, isn't it? You know, if you hear a political broadcast, it basically starts with, sorry, sorry, we've spent up, we don't know what to do. We're the sixth largest economy in the world. There is enough. It's just how we divide it. That's the question. 
So we either the world tells us that, or it tells us, spend what you haven't got to buy what you don't need. Here, here's the iPhone 47. It will now make your breakfast. You know that iPhone 46 that you bought last year and spent most of your arm and leg? It's rubbish. Throw it away and get the iPhone 47. I understand the pressure. I like shiny. I like new. I'm a geek. I like new tech. I also like a home that's comfortable. I like things clean and tidy. That, that's how I'm made. But I'm called to live from a different world. I'm called to live to represent the kingdom of God, which is generous because he's a good father, but also calls me not to be distracted by what I've got or by the lack of what I've got. Because either way it works, doesn't it? If you've got no, you're worrying... If, sorry, if you've got nothing, you're worrying... <laughs> We've, we've got some new Southerners with us. And I've, got to, I've, got to I've, got to, I've got to translate it for you, haven't I? I'm getting used to Yorkshire. Anyway. And this was a quote by an ad man in America in the 1950s. Listen to this. We must shift... It is about America, but it applies to us. We must shift America from a needs to a desire culture. People must be trained to desire to want new things, even before the old has been entirely consumed. We must shape a new mentality. Man's desires must overshadow his needs. That was the plan. There, there was an economic plan in the 1950s in America to say we need to shift away from a culture where people are happy with what we've got to move them so they want to spend money they haven't got on things they don't need. That, that's the great trick. When I read things like that, because I'm a little rebel, and I am a little rebel, I know that, something rises up in me, I'm like, I am not going to get sucked into that. I will not be manipulated by an ad man sat in snatchy and snatchy selling me things. No. And then the Google Pixel 8 comes out and I think, oh, that's pretty. That's the lie, isn't it? The point is, enough can be enough. Some research was done in America about five years ago. Asked the question, how much do you need to live at a content lifestyle level so that you're not feeling pressurised and you're not worried about you know, the roof over your head and the, and the food in your mouth and everything else. You've got enough to do stuff. The figure that came up through a whole lot of research was $78,000. $78,000. Now, that's a different culture and it's an average in a whole city, including having to live in New York and all that sort of stuff. But they said £78,000 is enough. To live on and actually if you get more than that you don't get more happiness you just get more hassle that's an interesting figure isn't it because what do what do we think what do you think would make you comfortable don't worry if people are leaving some people need to come and go at different times it's not a problem we're not we're not worried by that that's all right what do you think do you think blimey you know twenty thousand pounds would be nice 10,000... Hang on, Noah, not now. Go out with your mum for now. I'll, I'll talk to you later, Noah. You maybe think, well, but £10,000 would be, would be nice. I, I understand that. We understand pressure. That's why we do things like we offer something called Financial Sozo to help people with the financial planning. Liz has written a really good book called Kingdom Finances. We, we get that living with little is a pressure, but we've got to understand that living with a lot can be a pressure as well. And actually, in both circumstances, what happens is we get distracted by our stuff. We, we were list I was listening to, we, had, we sang a Helsa song this morning, a Jonathan Helsa, the one about thank you. But I've got this one fixed in my brain at the moment. It, it's about uh, we make space, we make room. And at the end, when, when Melissa Helsa, the, the, the female singer, she, she does what I always call, she, goes, she does her Melissa nut bits, where she just sort of goes off. And we've seen them worship live, and Jonathan plays and everything else. And then Melissa comes to the stage, and she just basically sings prophetically. There aren't any words written. She just said, like, Lord, what am I going to sing? And then she, she does her bits, and it's always good. 
And in this song she sings, we're clearing out the clutter for the only one that matters. We're clearing out the clutter for the only one that matters. And she sings it time and time again. I'm clearing out the clutter for the only one that matters. Because the reality is the clutter of not having enough means that we don't focus on him. And the clutter of pursuing more than we need gets in the way of living a life for him. So what do we do? How do we tread that line? Well, I want to try and give you some practical advice. Because actually, when we look in Scripture, one of the things I love about Jesus is I, I don't like people making Jesus just another good teacher. He is the most amazing teacher, but that's not all that he is. He does a lot more than that. But what he teaches reflects the reality of life. When he says things like, no man can serve two masters, he will love one and hate the other, that's not some theoretical idea. He's saying that's how life works. And that, we know that, don't we? If you're divided between two things, you end up liking one. Ask people who do two part-time jobs. There'll always be one that they like more than the other. That's just the way it works. Jesus' teaching about the kingdom of God is incredibly practical. He's saying, live life like this so that the king can rule. He's reflecting what life should be like. So it, it's not. There's great theology in, in Jesus' teaching. Of course there is, and especially in Paul as well. But the point is the Bible reflects how life, what life should look like. So we need teaching that's practical, that makes a difference, that gives us the life. So how do we do it? And I've got some suggestions. But you know, I don't think I'm the only wise voice in this room. So I'm going to do some, but I want you to be sat there thinking, well, actually, one of the things I do is this, or I try that. And then at the, in a few minutes, I'm going to be saying to people, what, what about you? What do you do? How do you cope with that pressure? And it might be either way around. It might be the pressure of, I am concerned about how do I pay my rent. Okay, well, how do you discipline yourself for that not to become the clutter? Or it might be that you're in the privileged position where stuff and looking after stuff is a pressure. Well, how do you not be driven by the ad man then? What do you do? All right, maybe that you sat there and thought, well, I've never thought about it, Stuart. Thank you very much until this morning. So I'm just going to listen to everybody else. That's fine. Some practical advice. Control what you watch and who you hang out with. Control what you watch and who you hang out with. When we trained, uh, and when, I, when we did our ministerial training decades ago now, <laughs> it was interesting because we a number of students were on placement in different places and we all went out and preached at different churches. One of my mates went to live in a very nice area. Very nice. I mean, it was posh. You know, we're not, he got asked out for lunch one time by his, one of his friends, one of his people in his church, who had this big dilemma that he wanted to share with his pastor. And the question was, should he spend £96,000 on a, on a Porsche or only £60,000 on a Jag? That was the question. I'm not kidding you. We took him out for lunch and they asked him that question. He said, what did you do? What would you have said? I said, I'd have probably learnt over the table and slapped him. <laughs> Which is why you need to be in that church and I need to be in mine because I could not. <laughs> anyway. And he lived in, you know, they, and they all went on three fallen holidays a year. He was on the same stipend as we were on, the salary. He felt constantly poor because everybody around him were driving posh cars and going on posh holidays three times a year. We were working in the middle of a council estate where people never went on holiday. And because we managed to save up our Tesco vouchers and go to France once a year, we felt like we were privileged because everybody around us was struggling to pay the bills. Who you hang out with will change the level. If you compare yourself to a millionaire, you're always going to feel poor. Well, unless you're a millionaire or a billionaire, I guess. If you learn to surround yourself with people who practice contentment, you'll find it a lot easier. We, one of my, my favourite programmes, this is really sad, Your Home Made Perfect. Anybody seen this? Yeah. Really, really, I, I really like it. It's basically architects who go into your house... And they, they do a virtual model of your house. And then they redesign it. And the people who are on the, on the, on the programme can see what their house is going to be like if they follow the architect's plans. It's amazing. So the architect goes like, 
let's just get rid of this wall and the wall disappears in the virtual reality and this couple can then walk through what their new house is going to be like it's really cool i mean some of the designs you're like that's just a bit weird but some of them are amazing and i really like it but i find myself when i watch it literally we were, it was in the summer we were sat watching it in the conservatory and i was sat in the conservatory thinking oh if i moved that wall then i could make that bigger and put that there and move this around and oh wouldn't that be nice and it only cost 10 fifteen thousand pounds hang on a minute what if you constantly watch the programs where people are shinily dressed in their beautiful clothes and you know just using disposable fashion and driving in their posh cars i've got news for you you're going to feel discontent so don't do it. Hang around with people who are content. TVs have an off button. We, we watch very, very little live TV. One of the reasons we do don't watch much on live TV is because we want to record, we want to put it on the box with the control so we can fast forward through the adverts and not be influenced by them. Who you hang out with will affect you. If you are going to spend money on something, if you are thinking about buying something, ask yourself a question. Is what's good for me bad for somebody else? Is what's good for me bad for somebody else? Because I have a responsibility. There's a question gets asked of Ken and Abel, doesn't it? Am I my brother's keeper? Yes, you are. In the kingdom of God, we are each other's keep. We're meant to live with accountability to each other. We are responsible to each other and also to the planet that the Lord gave us as humanity to steward. And the pursuit of us having everything we want means others don't get what they need. And it means the planet is being impacted by our selfishness. That's the reality. <coughs> So us pursuing the, I want the titanium iPhone 47, means that there are illegal mining contracts in sub-Saharan Africa to get titanium to make phones for us to put in our pocket that we keep for three years and then replace. My need is meaning somebody else is being impacted. We have a responsibility to think, does what I want mean that it's going to influence somebody else and it's not just fast fashion or the v12 gas ga, uh, fuel consuming guzzling car it's some of the simple decisions as well my, my children i'm in awe of my son in particular i mean he it's ben my middle one it's easy for him because on one level he does he never he's never been that bothered about what he looks like he's just not driven by fashion which is a great release of him. But what he's done is he's found out where can I go and buy stuff that will last, that is made of quality, that I means I don't have to think about it, but it's not going to wear out. And he's found brands like, there's one called Rapa Nui, and he buys his T-shirts, and they're all organic, fair-traded cotton. Because I, 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 know, I understand that other people, I can't walk around looking like a mess. He works in Parliament, so he wants to you know, look neat and tidy. So he buys good shirts, but he buys shirts that are fair traded. There are simple things we can do. Do you ever think about the toilet paper you buy? I don't spend much time thinking about it. <laughs> well, I mean, you, you do at certain occasions, don't you, when you think I shouldn't have bought that cheap stuff. Anyway, uh, <laughs> sorry. If you're not used to my level of preaching, I'm, re I'm really sorry. Um, we, we buy something, you ready for it? Who gives a crap? It's literally called Who Gives a Crap? Because it's made from bamboo, not paper. And it's fair traded, and it's not wrapped in plastic. And yes, it costs us a little bit more, which means we spend a little bit less on some other things so that we can buy something appropriate. We buy all our soaps and shampoos and everything from a company called Splosh because they're, they're not full of water. They come as concentrates, so you're not paying for all the transport costs of water. You might be sat thinking, well, you know, that's a luxury. I wish I could think about those things. We haven't got lots of money. We just decide what we're going to spend it on and make some decisions that say, what I spend my money on can't rob somebody else. Me getting can't mean they get less. I've got to take responsibility. 
And classically, that has meant people like stuff like fair trade. But there are other things we can do. Where possible, buy well and buy less often. Think about the total cost of what you're purchasing. I understand there are situations where people, let's make it a very practical example, all you can afford is a £20 pair of shoes because that you've only got 20 quid. Well, that's fair enough. You need shoes so that you're not getting cold and wet in a cold and wet country. But if it's possible, if you can save up and buy the shoes that cost £80 because they will last five times longer than the £20 shoes, that's the wise thing to do. And you might think, well, I, I can't afford those shoes. Again, one of the things we've learned to do, charity shops are really good for getting good quality clothes. Not in Bradford. <laughs> but I tell you what, go to Ilkley or Harrogate. You, you, there's some posh clothes in charity shops. We know we've been shopping there. It's really good. You know, if you, walk, if you, if you go into charity shops in Bradford, they're often stocked with fairly cheap clothes that have been washed 87 million times already not when you go to Harrogate they're not I've, I've got good quality fat face shirts from, from the charity shop in Harrogate because basically lots of rich people live there and they, sell, they give their clothes to charity and I'm like well that's a good brand I'll have that then there are practical things we can do to try and buy a, a better level without spending lots and lots of money buy less often but buy better is a way of looking after your stuff and looking after your money consider what's called the ownership load the ownership load it's expressed this way if you buy something very posh and very nice that, that's good but if you then spend your time worrying about keeping your nice posh thing nice and posh who's serving who if you buy yourself that nice new car and then every time you get out of it you walk round it and check it for scratches and make certain that you park it three miles away in the car park so that nobody will park either side of it so they won't open their door onto it who's controlling who And that, that can come down to a bit of clothing, can't it? Oh, no, it's got torn. I've, I've got, um, I got it off eBay. I got this, something I've always wanted. It's a Rohan walking coat. If you're not into hiking, Rohan is a really good net make. And this jacket is like, you can dip it in the ocean and it won't let water in. It's amazing. I really like it. And I got it cheap on eBay. I went for a walk yesterday and we walked past some brambles on this little gully that we were walking down. And I felt it snag on my coat. My Rohan walking coat. I was like, ah! I was like, what are you preaching on tomorrow? <laughs> ah! Get a grip! I try to live by the rule that if I can't lend it to somebody else and not have them give it back, then I shouldn't have it. Because if, if the thing matters more than a relationship, then something is going on. And I'm being controlled by stuff. I'm not controlling stuff. And that cannot be right, because I'm called to serve one master, and it's not the ad man. I'm trying to be honest. I, I get the pressure, but it's a nice jacket. It's a, yeah, I get that. But if you can't give it to somebody else, it's earning you. You're not earning it. Think about the total cost, the ownership load. Now, you know, I like, um, I've got a bit more spare time. I like looking after things. I like washing and polishing my car. I like making it look clean. I'm not saying that's wrong. But if you can't take it for a drive because it's going to get muddy. <laughs> there are people like that. I'm, I used to be a biker. And the, the pinnacle of being a motorbiker is being what you called a summer biker. Because a summer biker has a car for the winter and then a motorbike for the summer, which they never drive through puddles because it might, it might rust the exhaust. So you have a bike that you keep that you only ever drive in dry weather. Three words, get a grip. <laughs> what? You spent £20,000 on something 
that you can only drive in dry weather and you live in England? Are you insane? <coughs> Don't impulse buy anything over a certain amount. Anything. We have a limit between Liz and I of about £25. Anything, anything more than that, even if it's a shirt or something that I'm going to preach in, we'll go into the shop, I'll see it, and then I'll think, no, and we'll go, and we'll go walk somebody else, or we'll go get a cup of tea before we don't just pick it up and buy it. Try not to do that about anything more than about £25. Just to de-link the, oh, it's shiny and nice, from the, oh, I'll buy that, and make myself step away and think about it, and think, well, what else could I do with that 25 quid or 45 quid or whatever else it might be? I'm going to put a little bit of a buffer that allows my head to control my eyes. Because the eyes are the window of the soul, Jesus says. And the ad men know it. And they write jingles that stick in our brains and then images that make us think, oh, that's pretty. No, no, I'm not going to be controlled by you. I'm going to have a buffer. I'm going to stop. There will be another sale. This once in a lifetime, never to be missed offer will be on again in about six weeks' time. That's the reality, isn't it? I don't know if you get it all over the country. Up here we get DFS. You know, the DFS? The DFS furniture sale must end tomorrow. And then tomorrow comes the new DFSS furniture <laughs> sale starts tomorrow. Get your early bargains. I'm going, oh, cool, it's a sale. Oh, I've got to buy it because it's on offer. No. Stop and think. You don't have to respond to the pressure. You can step away. Learn to be generous. Learn to be generous. Get into a habit of giving away small things. If somebody comes into your house and they say, oh, I really like that mug, how about saying, great, why don't you take it home with you? Oh, but... No, no. <laughs> oh, just Hold things lightly and leanly so that you can be generous. Liz has got some friends that we go and see down south. And every time we go, it's another lady actually. There's usually a bag of clothes for you to look through, isn't there? Because this, this lady likes to give stuff away. I mean, she's quite well off, so she can afford to do it. But we can practice at our level, can't we? We, we can make things with our own hands to be generous to other people. If you get invited around for a meal, you're like, well, I can't afford a bottle of wine, make a cake. Well, I, can't, I can't afford to make a cake, buy a packet of biscuits. It's not about what you take, it's about training yourself to be generous with what you have. I did a care force year, it was a voluntary year a long time ago, and we lived on £12. That's what we, I mean, after food and lodgings, we had £12 to sort of do everything else with. And I went to the first conference, training conference, and the first thing they said to us, I hope you're all learning to tithe on your £12. I'm like, tithe on £12? That's only enough, to, you know, with, with that I can buy like, you know, a new pair of trousers about every four months if I'm lucky, because we had to pay for bits out of that and everything else. And I never, I never forget what the guy said. He said, if you can't learn to tithe with £12 when it's £1.20, how will you ever learn to give away four or £500 a month? If, if you can't do it now, you will never learn to do it then. Teach yourself with the small things so that you've trained your hands for the big stuff. We've given away cars and, and big products to people. Why? Because I'm not trying to hold us up as a perfect standard. I know we are not. I'm simply saying you can teach yourself to be generous with, with money. And oh, yeah, I'll give my time. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, not the love of time. Learning to control money matters. And what we do with our stuff. Become known as somebody who is generous. Jesus said, didn't he, it's better to give than receive. Well, practice it then. Get used to it.
That's my list of practical suggestions. Think about what you're buying. Don't buy immediately. Will your purchase mean somebody else's cost? Can you buy less but buy better? Can you not be pressurised by the admin? What about anybody else? What do you do? Be careful with your eyes, where, who you hang out with, what you watch. What does somebody else do? Be thankful for what you've got. Be thankful for what you've got. Sorry, my love. Oh, okay. Be thankful for what you've got. What do, you, what do you mean, Colette, and why does that help? I just think if you're happy with what you've got, you don't have that feeling of, of, of too much desire. Yep. You know? That's what I think. Okay. Anybody else? What do you do? What do you find helpful? Go on, well, there's two things. One, I don't watch TV anyway, so therefore <laughs> I don't have any influence over adverts. And secondly, I don't compare myself to the people by what they have. Yeah. Okay. Um. Aha, come on, sister. Praise God. Uh, one of the scriptures that's kept coming when those um, period are happening is uh, godliness with contentment is a great gain. Yeah. Uh, when you want to compare... I just look at it just the practical way when you see yeah. that you don't have enough yeah. and then you look at someone that is maybe your mates or the same level with you and they have so much yeah, then yeah. you have to also look down yeah. at people that don't have yeah, absolutely. as much as you have. Yeah, that's a really good advice. Don't just look up, look down and think I, I am blessed to be provided for to the level that I am. Go on. I tell God to decide for me. Come on. Did you hear that? I tell God to decide for me. Imagine that. Imagine if we did that. Should I buy this or this? Lord, I am going to put this in your hand, and until you say yes, I'm not going to spend, my, spend your money, because all good gifts are from God. That's James. What great advice. Anybody else? Go on, Joe. We learnt a valuable lesson years ago from some friends who had five children and not very much money, and they would pray over their checkbook before they yep. went shopping, and I guess that's been our testimony that when we've needed to buy things, um, even big items, we've just prayed about it, yep. and God's just directed us to um, yeah, amazing sales and yep. what have you, which just means that being a good steward of what we've got, we've got more to give away. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I like that. And, and I guess allied to that, um, if, if, if we do have a need, uh, we will wait and say, we're not going to pay that price. more yeah, yeah. than this, and yeah, we'll yeah. wait until we can find it yeah. at this the kind of good, a, good, yeah. a good price. Yeah. And, yeah. and I'd echo what you say, um, is to buy the best quality yeah. that is affordable. Yeah. So, and, and, and buy something that can be mended and repaired. That's a really good so point. So that yeah, things yeah. That, that we do have don't end up in the landfill. And get to know people who will repair white goods, yeah. who'll come and fix your fridge yeah. or your dish, if you have a dishwasher yeah. or your washing machine or yeah. any, any appliances. Because... Yeah. Because they will last, if you keep look they after will. them, they will. they will last a lot longer than the manufacturers uh, yeah. say they will. Yeah, and we, we know a good company in Bradford, if you're in Bradford and you like me, Fridges Bust, who can fix it, Transport, Transport on, on St Enoch's. Yeah, they, they do washing machines, They've, they kept, we bought, a, and they, they do reconditioned goods, so we bought a new tumble dryer that should have been 250 quid, and we got it for £100 from Transport. Yeah, and we got we got the last we all our fridges, all our washing machines and tumble dryers we get from them, and they basically take ones that people have got in their houses and then say, oh, I don't like the colour of it or whatever else, and then they sell it on or they get them off production lines at the end of unit costs, and then they'll, I mean, he came three times to fix the old one was like oh, it's not broken yet, don't, don't replace it until I can change that and I can change that and then after about on about his fourth visit he said no, can't, we're, we're done, I can't do anything else, but I will get you a deal on a new one really really great and there are john says there are places like that go on rob cut up your credit cards cut up your credit cards <laughs> okay yeah no it's interesting isn't it you, you may 
I absolutely agree because the draw is oh, I've got all this money. There are some people who can only do make month hand to mouth by using a credit card. The question then is how many have you got? And if you're at the point where you're juggling balances and re you need to do something different, get advice, get a financial sozo, read Liz's book, get prayer. Because if you are living with less, it matters to God. Of course it does. We shouldn't be living hand to mouth, but neither should we be living controlled. Go on, Les. Just sort of following up on, on, on what Colette said about being content, really, and being thankful, is if you're content, you're more able to be rejoicing with other people you when are. they get blessed. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and we kind of need to develop that, that, we do. that sense of... We do, absolutely. You've been blessed. I'm really, I'm really yeah. happy for you. Yeah. No jealousy, no envy, yeah. no, no, yeah. no anything. It's just well, a powerful if, thing. if you can learn to celebrate somebody else's success, you are showing the Lord that you can be trusted with more. Can I give a practical example yeah, of, of that? So yesterday when I was posting some stuff for, for the Aware Day on our social media, um, I noticed that Jared Cooper across in um, Hull has been given a building. So his church had been given a building with three acres. There was a picture of the keys. And, I, and so I went onto our social media, the church's social media, and I went, congratulations, Jared, so pleased for you. And then I went onto the school one, and I did, you know, basically each one, my personal school, the church, I went on and said, thank, you know, thank you for God's provision, this is amazing. And I just think, you know, here we are in this waiting, and we are waiting, <laughs> I'm waiting for a provision of a building. But, you know, I just was like, okay, no, I'm going to be really thankful that this, you know, and I, yep. and I, I really feel excited because I'm like, I said, yep. sure, that's somebody in our country, that's not, a, that's not just an American a testimony of a provision, yeah, that's yeah. our country. Save up your money and save up your money and come back, then you'll be able to buy whatever you need. Come on. <laughs> save up your money and then you and come back and then you'll be able to buy whatever you need. Yeah. There it, that's this thing about if you can only afford the £20 pair of shoes and you need a £20 pair of shoes but if you can wait and go buy something better, do that some really practical advice isn't it I did, I mean, I would echo the other thing I would add from, from my own life you don't have to spend much time around me or be in our church for very long to understand my, one of my absolute core values thankfulness thankfulness Learn to appreciate. Learn to get an attitude of gratitude. It will redo how you think about things. Most advertising is based on making you jealous. Thankfulness is the antidote to jealousy. It is. Practicing thankfulness. Just as we, as we finish. The point is, I don't want anybody to be mean. And we're not trying to become short-armed, deep-pocketed Yorkshiremen who are thankful the air is free. <laughs> and legalism has no more place in how we deal with stuff than it has about Sabbath or taking time for solitude. We did a lot on that when we were talking about Sabbath. It is okay to have good things that reflect the generosity of God. It is okay to be able to come to other people and say, I'm stuck and I need some help because our finances aren't working. Money and possessions are meant to be tools that should be used to extend and expand the kingdom of God. They are not here to either make us jealous or make us miserable. The jokes about you can't take it with you, well, actually, it's scriptural, 1 Timothy 6, are right. You can't. But you can build up an inheritance to bless and release people both now and in the future. You can have assets, homes, cars, that you can generously use to bless others. And that's our responsibility. Our call to be apprentices of Jesus should be reflected in how we live. Because we follow the one who was dependent upon his father, but who had stuff. We follow the one who knew what it was to have less. But we also follow the one who gave up generously the fact that he had everything. Philippians 2.
learning to live simply and contentedly is vital if we're going to reflect the life of Jesus who showed us what life is meant to look like. So let's stand. And as ever, if I've hit a nerve, if you're like, well, Stuart, you don't know what it's like to live on X amounts of pounds, I've tried to say we bring resources and we will pray with you and stand with you to help you. Also trying to say, if you've got more, learn to be generous. Learn to live in family and look for other people that you can look after. But let's just give it all to God. Let's just be quiet for a minute. Yeah, Lord, we invite you just to identify in our hearts have we been pursuing mammon things when the call is to be content? And if you just ask the Lord that question, have I been pursuing stuff? And if the answer is yes, there's, there's no condemnation. The Lord will simply be saying, yeah, but I, I want you to give you trust in me. So allow him to do that. And ask yourself the question, do I live with a poverty spirit? Am I resentful of other people who are successful? Do I allow myself to look at my lack and let that be the clutter that stops me from coming to God? Give that to him. And ask him, what does he give you back? I think it will be somewhere around trust and generosity. Lord, our simple desire is we want to be the people who reflect your nature in all your generosity and all your simplicity. Give us wisdom, answers that work in every spending decision we make. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.